welcome along to the first episode of a brand new season of the Jersnet Weekly Podcast, the totally free and independent Rangers podcast that is made by fans for fans and where the content is always absolutely free. As it's starting the new season, uh, if you're joining us for the first time, then a very, very warm welcome to you. Please do be aware that it's not just the podcast that we have uh, here at Jersnet, but if you head over to the website at www.jersnet.co.uk, there's a whole host of other uh, content there, including articles, social media uh, a history archive and of course the very very friendly discussion forum as well um, the podcast last time we checked was approaching four and a half thousand subscribers so if you're one of them then thank you very very much for getting us to that milestone uh, and hopefully in the coming weeks we can take that over into the five thousand mark if you're not yet a subscriber please do hit the subscribe button hit like and maybe leave us a wee comment as well it really does help us to grow the show uh, if you're joining us live, it's just gone uh, 9.33 on Sunday, the 18th of July. So if you're joining us live, then thank you very, very much for giving up your Sunday evening. Please do get involved in the show by leaving us your comments and your questions there in the chat. Otherwise, the show is always available to download or stream after the live broadcast. That's downloadable from wherever you get your normal podcasts, Acast, iTunes, YouTube, CastBox, Stitcher, Spotify, and that's available every Monday morning. Uh, what are we going to be talking about today? Well, there's a huge amount of information for us to get through as we try and rattle off everything that's happened since. Uh, we wrapped up the title a couple of months ago, all the way through pre-season up to today. Uh, we'll be looking at the um, signings that have been made, the, the sort of links that we've had to some other players, um, as well as looking at the pre-season friendlies that we've had so far and maybe a little bit of ring rustiness amongst the squad. Speaking of ring rustiness, my first guest this afternoon, Mr. Colin Armstrong. Colin, how are you? Talking about my rusty ring again, Ross, dear me. <laughs> That's a great way to get the season off and running. Yes, thank you. I'm fine. How are you? Do you have a nice summer? Very good, very good. I tell you what, it is it is warm in London today. Um got in the car earlier, it said 32 on the dashboard, which was um uh, a wee okay, bit much for okay. me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's only it's twenty-five good. up here. Only twenty-five. Only you've yeah. been only twenty-five for a while. Um Oh dear. No, so what have you been spending your summer doing? Did you catch much of the Euros? I, I took the first week off for the Euros, actually. Yeah, so I, I watched a few games. Uh, I and you know I've had a couple of weeks off up there, so I was I was as I said saying before we came on air, I was down in Ian's neck of the woods uh, for a wee break, buying records and all that kind of stuff, and sitting in the sun and drinking a few beers. And it, it wasn't a good time to be down there. It was it was a week that England beat Germany, uh, so it was. Uh, I mean, I'm not a a big Scotland fan, but. Uh, there's something about the English national team that I find quite unlikable. So that was that was quite hard. A lot of obnoxious uh, England fans kicking about. So aye. But other than that, it was great. Aye. Try living amongst it. <laughs> um, someone else who does live amongst it, much like myself, Ian Duff. Ian, how are you? Good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, very good. Very good. How did you find being a Scotsman in England during a, a major tournament where they actually did quite well? Yeah, it's uh, it's tricky. There was... It wasn't even. It actually wasn't as bad as the the World Cup. I thought because I think the the World Cup when they got to the semi final, nobody was expecting it um, at all. So it was. It seemed to be even worse this time. I just sort of put my head down and go on with it. So you you get used to living with it. You do. You do. You see, I, I I've lived here for twenty three years now, right? And I don't. I think actually, with I mean, it's a Rangers podcast, and we'll talk about Rangers for the majority of the show. I, I'm sure, but. I feel that Gareth Southgate has brought a more likable element to that squad, more likable young players coming through. Um, has that uh, you know, maybe tempted you to to buy a, a Three Lions shirt again? <laughs> no, funnily <laughs> enough. Uh, I mean, it's not... 
well, it's never really been about the, the players, really, has it? That it's the it's the pundits really that are the problem, more or less. Uh, I mean, the, the players are. No, there's never really been any problem. Some of the players have been a bit arrogant over the years, but the uh, but it's mainly just the the general sort of punditry and the, the, the arrogance of that that uh, rubs people up the wrong way I think and that hasn't really changed much to be honest so so that was uh, so no no, it's not really been tempting to be to be perfect again like like Colin said I'm, I'm not a massive Scotland fan but it does uh, it does stick in the throat a wee bit sometimes but, um, but I've got two young kids one of them doesn't support England the other one isn't a massive football fan but he's uh, but if, if he does show any interest they would be sporting England so it's kind of kind of difficult to yeah uh, yeah well we don't have to worry about that for a year and because it's World Cup next year again so we can all go back into hiding next time around speaking of English football Colin um, where else better to start with uh, with Rangers than than Arsenal yesterday so it was uh, the, the visit of Arsenal led by Mikel Arteta obviously his first return to Ibrooks uh, since he since he left all those years ago um, and a player who I think well uh, splits opinion let's say amongst the Rangers support in that he was obviously a very talented very gifted player but arguably, couldn't wait to leave when better offers came along. Um, that said, he was clearly excited to be back at Ibrooks, brings a strong squad with him. Um, and for me, an encouraging result, um, albeit we spent a lot of the game on the back foot. Now, given that we were missing five, arguably six solid first team choices, Colin, what did you make of the performance and the result yesterday? Well, uh, I have to one up and say I've not seen the game, Ross. I was I was at the Cameron game yesterday, so I've I've just basically uh, been looking at stuff on YouTube and uh, you know match reports and all that kind of thing. But certainly from what I've read, what I've read uh, and I was I was looking at Stephen Gerrard's uh, sort of post match interview as well. I mean, pre season, it's it's really just about getting minutes in the legs, and it the, the results are. Um, a major thing. I mean, I, I do think if you start suffering lots of defeats and friendlies, you, you you can start to think, okay, what's going on here? But overall, it's 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 just about getting minutes in the legs, getting the fitness up, getting getting guys up to a decent standard, blowing the cobwebs away from the summer, all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, in, in that respect, I would say it seems to be going not too bad. I, I don't think there's any major issues uh, to worry about. Obviously, there was a, the issue with the the new signing, which is in the guys, he's got a heart condition or something at the moment. It's yeah, uh, off a bar. Yeah, so I mean that that's concerning, but I mean other than that, it, it seems that it's it's just ticking along, you know. And it's the same every preseason. I must admit, I struggle with preseason. I I I don't really get right into it until the the competitive stuff starts. So it'll be good to see. I think the draws this week. I think it's on Tuesday. It's either tomorrow or Tuesday for the, for the Champions League. Tomorrow, aye. is it tomorrow? So. Yeah, and then you know we'll kick off next week. I think it's a Tuesday we kick off, so that's when that's when it properly starts for me. You know what I mean? So I mean it's good to see Arsenal. I mean they're not a side that I particularly follow or anything like that, but they do have a strong connection with Rangers, and it's been back for a long, long time. So it's always good to see them at Ibrox. Good team. I, I'm kind of I mean Mikel Arteta annoyed me at the time when he left the Rangers he, he did have a look of a player that couldn't get away quick enough I was at a semi-final against Hibs it went to penalties and they, and they beat us and it was like Scott Brown Kevin Thompson that team and uh, and he, he went off injured that night and 
you know, his application and his body language and everything at the time was was pretty poor, I thought, you know. But Time's a great healer. Uh, you know, I've got nothing against Arteta. I was, I was quite glad to see him back at Ibrox yesterday. I wish him well in his career and all the rest. I, 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 feel, I fear for him this year. Uh, I, I think he could be one of those managers if things don't go well early on. He, he might be under, under P. But no, I'm happy to see him back. You, you know, once a ranger, always a ranger, all that kind of stuff. So, uh, aye, it, it seems to be going well. And we'll come on to talk about the signings. I think, you know, some of the signings look good and you know who we're looking at so yeah it's all ticking along nicely absolutely um ian we as in the rangers support can at times be um passionate well we're always passionate but can be can be critical i think it is fair to say um if if things aren't going well and after you know a result against partick thistle which was a scrappy 1-0 win um a loss away at tranmere it's only pre-season, but do you think that, to a degree, we needed a good result against Arsenal to just make sure that the momentum keeps going, um, keep riding the crest of 55 and, and, and take some positive momentum into the new season? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm kind of agreeing with, with Colin in the sense that the more important thing is players getting a run out and players getting back into the swing of things. But in saying that... Um, I mean, if you, if you think back to the pre-season last season, uh, if memory serves, we had a really good pre-season. We, we started off, I think we went about, I can't remember how many games, but a whole load of games without conceding a goal, never mind losing a game. And that was including, you know, good opposition in France and the, the pre-season tournament over there. And that helped to sort of build the momentum into the season, I think. So, so yeah, I mean, there, there is a case to say, you know, Okay, they're not important. The results don't matter, but but if you do get the results and you do get the performances, it sort of starts that ball rolling and, and gets you a bit of momentum going into the season. But I mean, in saying that, I don't think Stephen Gerrard would be necessarily bothered if uh, if we lost. To, I mean, if we get hammered five 0 by Arsenal, then obviously he's not going to be happy. Uh, and I'm sure if we lost three two, he wouldn't be happy. But I mean, overall, the bigger picture is the players getting the minutes, the you know new signings. Integrating with the, the rest of the team and and you know just trying out new things if new things need to be tried out all these things are when you you know pre-seasons when you do all that sort of stuff so so I, I mean I don't think the results are that big a deal but you know they do help with the momentum for the for the season but uh, but you know overall I think uh, there's other things going on that are more more important for the the coaching team than than actual score lines. No, I look, I completely agree with the both of you and I think. Um, it is. It's about fitness. I mean, we say it every time and try and temper expectations. It was. It was the same to a degree with the Veolia Trophy last year that, that you referenced there. Ian, nice to win a, a piece of silverware, but it's about fitness. It's about testing yourself in competitive environments. And I think that actually, Tranmere as an opposition probably a fairly good indicator of the level of football that we're likely to spend week in week out playing against in in the in the Scottish Premiership. That said, Ian. Um, and as much as, as uh, pre-season can be a wee bit of a damp squib sometimes, once we get past Blackpool on Wednesday, we have the visit of the illustrious Real Madrid coming to Ibrox. Um, pre-season or not pre-season, what does it mean that we can attract arguably the biggest name in, in world club football to, to come to Ibrox for a friendly? Well, I mean, it's obviously good. I mean, I don't, I don't know how these, uh, how these friendlies work now. I mean, I know that generally speaking... 
I understand that clubs basically pay for them to to come and play uh, against you, um, and you know if if you're if you're willing to spend the money, then you'll then you you get them to come. So, but it, you know from the the fans' point of view, you know not that that many fans are going to be able to get into the ground, uh, whatever the the final outcome of that is. But from the fans' point of view. That doesn't matter. The important thing is, you know, you're getting a, a massive name coming to to play at Ibrox, and and you know, that that's that's brilliant. You know that you know, we haven't played Real Madrid for, well, I don't know how many years, fifty odd years, uh, possibly more. So to see them see them at Ibrox is a even in a pre-season friendly is a is a good thing. Though I don't know what sort of team they'll bring with them. I presume they they have to to bring uh, some of their, their bigger names uh, with them as well. I suppose a lot of them will still be in recovering from the Euros at the moment, so it may well be that they're they're a bit under strength. Um, but nonetheless, that you know, even an under strength Real Madrid is uh, is a is something to see. So you know, that's good. It's, it's good to get that that level of a name as well because previous pre seasons, you know, it's so very well having the teams that are you know going to test you at a level you want to be tested at and build up and build up your fitness. But you know. Sometimes it's just nice to get a big a big name in. Yeah, absolutely. And arguably that's that's something that we have been missing is is pulling bigger names to Ibrox in maybe not the last couple of years. I know I remember we had Marseille a couple of seasons ago, but before that there was definitely a, a barren spell whilst we were in the lower tiers. You know, Colin, presumably you will not be test going to level you want to be tested that and build up and build up your fitness. But you know, yeah, sometimes no, it's just I'll, nice I'll to get a big, a it's big it's name one of those games. Uh, yeah, you would absolutely. And arguably, that's that's something that we have been missing. Yeah, I mean, as, as Ian says, they've not played Real Madrid since since the sixties, I think, uh, and and they pumped us in. You know, I think it was like six one over there, wasn't it? And the beat us one nothing at Ibrox. Uh, so I, I mean, I've seen Madrid. I've seen that I was at the Champions League final when Zidane scored that, that goal at Hamden. So I mean, it's a team I've already seen, but. I've never seen them at Ibrox, so it would have been good to go there. And, and it is good to get big names. I remember when, when we, the Chelsea game, the, the friendly we had against Chelsea, I mean, that, for a friendly, the atmosphere at that was superb. You know, it, it, it felt like we'd won, like, the British Cup that day, you know, and Seabos. Seabos, glorious Honestly, it was, <laughs> what an atmosphere that day. It was brilliant. It was, uh, so you do get it every now and again for a friendly, and I think Madrid would have probably brought that, you know, so uh, it's just a shame it'll not be a full house, but uh, I'm, I'm sure it'll be more than the 2,000 that were in yesterday, but it's, it's still going to be nowhere near a full house, is it? So that's the only thing. But I mean, given it's you know the 150th anniversary, I think it was important to get a big name. You know, for, for the centenary stuff, we had Arsenal uh, and we had Ajax, in it, and I think the, the Ajax game led to the formation of the uh, the Super Cup. You know what I mean? So I, I mean that in itself is a, is, a, is a good bit of history. So yeah, for for the 150, I think it's it's important that we got a big name, and uh, as you said earlier, there's there's fewer bigger than uh, Real Madrid. So I uh, good to see them there, but just a shame that it'll not be a full house, and the the majority is will have to watch it on Rangers TV, my favourite channel, Ross. Absolutely, you're well documented issues yes, with Rangers TV I'll, last I'll season. Rangers TV, yeah, them in Premier Sports. Top notch. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> well, look, I think that you know this issue of of attendance and fan numbers will will was sort of skirted around the issue, and it is something that we need to really kind of dive into and, and assess the situation there. Just before we do that, um, 
a quick note that as part of the, the promotions for the pod coming back today and, and, and coming back for a new season, um, at Jersnet we're giving away a copy of Chris Jack's absolutely fantastic new book, Going for 55. Um, I'm sure you know Chris, who's who's been a, a, a frequent guest appearance on uh, on the Jersnet podcast and um, you know, a, a wonderful new book that, that, he's, uh, that he's bringing out. To be in with a chance of winning that book, going for 55, um, head over to the, the Jazznet social media pages, Frankie's Twitter feed, if uh, if that's easiest. All you need to do is, is follow the Jazznet uh, Twitter feed, follow Chris's personal Twitter feed and uh, interact with that post there. All of the details are on Frankie's Twitter and the uh, the winner will be picked on Friday. If you want any more information on that book, just head over to the website at polarispublishing.com. Right, Colin, sticking with yourself then. Um, fans attendance, capacity crowds, social distancing. Um, Rangers put out a, um, a strange little video, I think it's fair to say, sort of advising on the return to yeah. football with things like make sure you turn away if someone passes you and, and all of these things. So, um, look, the thing that gets me is that I'm a, I'm a Formula One fan. Allegedly 230,000 fans went to Silverstone this weekend. Um, we've seen the Euros passing without incident, if you excuse the behaviour of the England fans at the final. Um, we've seen, well, tomorrow, in a matter of hours, restrictions down here in England are, are being effectively removed. Um, and certainly football attendances will be back to normal. And the thing that frustrates me is that we will have had 2,000 fans at Ibrox yesterday. Uh, we'll have a full house at Bloomfield Road um, at Blackpool on Wednesday. And then there's still a question mark over Sunday, which seems to be changing day to day. It could be as few as 2,000. It could be 20,000. It could be 25,000, somewhere in the middle. Nobody seems to know. Nobody really even seems to know the process by which we can apply to have more spectators. You know, the, the, the baseline is 2,000, but the government say you can apply to your local authority to have more, but there's no application process. That, that all seems to be very, very woolly. So... The frustration for me, let's say, is 2,000 on Saturday, yesterday, let's say 30,000 or however many Blackpool Stadium holds uh, midweek, and then potentially back to 2,000 um, this this coming weekend for, for Brighton and Real Madrid. Um, what are your thoughts on on the situation and how do Rangers address that? It's, I mean, it's, it's a tricky one, Ross. It's, I mean... I mean, I think everyone's getting a bit... I mean, and, and not just the attendances, just the, the general sort of restrictions around the COVID stuff, you know, I think everyone's becoming a bit weary of them and and a lot of them contradict themselves and there's a lack of consistency. And uh, so, yeah, I, I, I think people in general are getting frustrated. But when it comes to the football, yeah, it's really frustrating. And, you know, given the sort of relationship that Rangers appear to have uh, with, with the current administration, you know, uh, you know, I think at least the supporters have been feelings that they're, you know, we've been treated differently and all that kind of thing. But it does look like football in general is has been treated differently. You know, and and it's because of that consistency thing. You know, sixteen and a half thousand at Murrayfield three weeks ago. You know what I mean? And and they they're allowed to queue for uh, alcohol and all that kind of stuff. You know, they get a beer and it was just just madness. And then. Someone put a good thing on Twitter. It was it was like a Google map shot of, of, of Edinburgh and you could see Murrayfield and you can see Tynecastle. Tynecastle is like half a mile down the road and it's like Hearts have announced that they're allowed 500 in the stadium whereas a week before there was 16,500 in Murrayfield. There's a half a mile difference. So it's stuff like that. It, it, it just 
makes you think, well, what's going on? You know what I mean? The Euros, you know, 14,000 in at Hamden. It's, like, at the end of the day, we're still in the middle. Well, not in the middle. We're hopefully coming out the other end of it now, with, you know, with the vaccine and stuff like that. But, you know, it's still a, a serious time. You know, people are still dying of this thing. And I think you have to try and think of that before you get, you know, too angry about things. But I just feel it's the... The consistency is, is is puzzling, you know what I mean. And, and as you say, what doesn't help is, you, is you've got four devolved countries all doing their own thing. So Rangers can only get two thousand at Ibrox to go into Blackpool, and they can do whatever they want. You know, it's a full ground, and then they come back up the road, and, and it's all different again. So, I mean, I understand the need and, and the desire from you know the current administration to be cautious as they're coming out of the, the COVID stuff, but it's just a lack of consistency. It just the, the, there doesn't seem to be. It, as you say, it, it's, it's so woolly. There doesn't seem to be any sort of route map pointing to, well, this is where we are now and this is where we'll be in a couple of weeks. And and there, there doesn't seem to be any science behind some of the decisions. No one can tell me there's science between 500 being allowed into Tyne Castle and 14,500 being allowed into a stadium half a mile further down the road. I, I, don't, I don't get that. And if anyone would want to come out and explain why, then that, that would help. You know, the clarity would help. But... It is, it's frustrating and, and given with, I mean, I, I was at the Camelon game on, on Saturday there and it was the first competitive game of football I've been at yeah, since the, the Bayer Leverkusen game. And even then there was a, there was a, a, a bit of contradiction because it was, it was a glorious day yesterday, scorching, so quite a big gate, but they'd cut off half the ground that you couldn't, right, and you can't go down this bit. You're like, well, surely you want to use as much, if you want people to socially distance you want to use as much of the ground as possible, but they 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 closed off one whole part, so everybody was sort of congregated at this one bit. So so even then, even at that level, you're kind of thinking, well, what's what's the point in this? Surely I mean, I that think, goes against. I think one of the biggest you know frustrations and things that you look at and you think, well, you know, where's the logic behind this? Is just looking at the pictures from Ibrox where two thousand people are inside a, a, a state fifty thousand. And they're on the one stand, you know, people one stand, you know, so so potentially, you know, they could have spread them about even further if they wanted, but but you know that that stand is bigger than the majority of football grounds in Scotland on its yeah. own, and every other football ground in Scotland is allowed to the same amount of people in it. The Rangers yeah. potentially could have had four stands uh, with, with two thousand people in it, and that would have been exactly the same uh, social distancing situation if that's the criteria they're using. So. The, the idea that Ibrox can only hold 2,000 and Livingston Stadium can hold 2,000 just doesn't make sense. You know, the, the, there's no there's no logic to that whatsoever in my mind. And as you say, nobody's come out and explained, as far as I'm aware, the you know the logic, the criteria, the you know the, how they've come to this conclusion that 2,000 is the, the the figure. You know, so that is it. I mean, I, I'm. I'm uncomfortable with the idea that football stadiums at this stage would be full. I mean, I, I find it bizarre down here in England that, that stadiums are going to be full in a couple of weeks because you know, okay, we're at the tail end hopefully of this, but the figures are still rocketing at the moment, among, especially among a lot of the people who will be going to football grounds. So, 
you know, I don't think we're at a point where we could just say, yeah, it's fine, well, let's open up and do what we like. But there's got to be some sort of middle ground there somewhere along the line. You know, you can't just jump from 50,000 capacity down down to 2,000. There's no, you know, there's no no logic at all to that in my mind. So unless they've got some other criteria that they're taking into account when they're doing it, in which case come out and see it. Otherwise, it just looks like typical, you know, the political class in, in Scotland uh, across the board uh, don't have much time for football fans at all. And, you know, I think we're, we're, we're way down the, the priority list for for uh, for doing things, unless there's obviously votes in it, which uh, is uh, when, you, when you're packing off 20,000 people to London when they shouldn't be going to London, then uh, then you just keep quiet about it. But, but you know, that's that's another issue. Well, am I, I think the thing that hammers at home for me, am I right in thinking that in Scotland at the moment, it's it's two thousand, regardless of the size of your stadium, right? Yeah. So there were two thousand at Ibrox watching Arsenal versus uh, Rangers versus Arsenal. At the same time, there were two thousand at Dumbarton watching yeah, Rangers B team Rangers Colts, yeah. in that one stand. Yeah, and, uh, and 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 another thing about that game as well is they banned away supporters. There was no away support allowed. Yeah, and you're just like. Well, <laughs> There was a way support. There was a way supporters that came on yesterday. They, you know, came when we're playing uh, Newton Grange Star. There was, there was the people travelled through from, from you know that's sort of just an outskirts of Edinburgh. It? It's out by the bypass. You know, there's people travelled a fair distance to, to to come to that game. But at Dumbarton, they're, they're not allowing away supporters in for, for the Rangers Colts game. So, so, so again, there, there doesn't seem to be any clarity. There doesn't seem to be any strategy or, or sort of science behind that. It just seems to be a, a load of random stuff and. Look, I, I, I agree with Ian. You know, the, the thought of Ibrox being full and, and all football grounds being full at the moment seems a wee bit of a step too far. I think we still have to be quite cautious at the moment. However, I, I, I think more clarity is needed because, I mean, I've, I've got a real chip on my shoulder with how football fans are treated. You know, I, I, there is a, there is a an argument to be made that it's a class thing, you know, because football is traditionally a working class sport. If you're allowing 500 fans into Tynecastle and 14,500 fans into a stadium half a mile down the road, that is, <laughs> there's no there's no other way to say that that looks like it's a class issue, mm-hmm. that they trust rugby fans more than they trust football fans. Yeah, but it's, it's the alcohol debate as well, isn't it? You know, yeah. you can, you can well, I, I don't know in Scotland if you can get a drink in the, in the stadium watching a rugby game, but you don't hear stories of, of rugby supporters buses getting stopped. And, no, uh, and that no. kind of thing. So, look, I I completely agree. It's the lack of clarity. It's the fact that um, what are they called? Gretna two thousand and eight FC. I think they're called now. We'll have to say have two thousand, but Carlisle will have a full full house twenty minutes down the road. I don't I don't get it. But yeah. um, the three of us chatting that through is is probably not going to make any difference. Unfortunately, as much as we would like it to. Um, Ian, just to finish off on on the preseason stuff that we've had so far and, and the games that we've that we've seen, um, like I say, five or six first teamers missing yesterday, and there's been a lot of rotation, heavy cycling through a number of different players as you would expect to see in preseason. Um, naturally, that means fringe players coming in and getting a chance to impress. We've seen some players coming back from loans. Um, any players that have particularly caught your eye so far? Who are you asking me? That's you, you nice. 
Uh, I was hoping you wouldn't ask me because I've not seen a single minute of any game. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> See, this is the pre-season of the podcast. We're just getting exactly. minutes. Exactly. I'm just getting warmed up. I'm just building this here and uh, getting, getting much better. That's fine because it's Trying coming different up. different formations and, you know, just see how it works. It's coming up to half time and I can pull some subs on. <laughs> <laughs> well, fair enough. Though. So what I was going to say was, um, you know, Cedric hitting two goals in, in three games looking sharp, looking hungry. Gerard mentioned him after the game yesterday. Um, Glenn Middleton, obviously a good season, a good half season at the end of, at St. Johnston there last uh, last year. Calvin Bassey yesterday, I thought, looked very, very useful. Um, very tenacious, very aggressive. Um, looked, looked very good going forward. I don't know if either of you have seen Brandon Barker, but... Um, the, the the new hairstyle that he is yeah. sporting. Uh, I, I feel I feel for Brandon Barker because he got absolutely chastised last year for adopting the comb over, right. and everybody was on Twitter saying he just needs to shave it. And then when he does it, he gets absolutely chastised <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> it was, He's got a chance, lads. You know uh, what I mean? It's quite the shock, and it's you know it's a bit rich the three of us with with full thick heads of hair. Oh, I don't know about that. I've maybe got about five haircuts left in me. But it's a a shame for the lad because he is obviously just sort of given up the ghost on that and shaved it all off and uh, it caught everyone a wee bit by surprise. But look, I think Cedric Itton has a a good chance of staking a claim. Obviously, we'll we'll talk about comings and goings and and the position of Mr Morelos uh, in in a few moments. But um, otherwise, I think sort of players like Glenn Middleton, Jake Hasty, Jordan Jones... Um, I can't quite see them stay in no. the course at Rangers. I don't think any of them will be here at the start of the season when or when the sort of season gets into full swing. Basically, I think the, those guys will either be out on loan again or uh, or will be out the door. Um, I suspect they'll probably be on loan, um, which is kind of surprises me a little bit that they're getting as much time that they seem to be getting uh, pre-season I don't know whether that's just because they want to keep them up to levels of fitness and, and if they have to be played or if you know for, for moving them on or whatever but you know sometimes it seems surprising that they would get as, as much time as they're getting but but yeah but I mean one thing that I find quite interesting Ross is, and Stephen Gerrard mentioned this and uh, he's, he's post-match interview yesterday and Jordan uh, at the Athletic was sort of talking about it as well the prospect of Nathan Patterson and Tavernier both starting you know the, I, th- I think he pushed Tav up yesterday in, in sort of the middle of the park that's and right like he said he was, it was something that he's considering so I mean that's quite interesting I don't quite know how it would work I think uh, I'm always wary of, you know if you've got two great players in the same position that you, you try and they you know, silly mathematics to try and find a way to get them both on the team. I think that's what Steve Clark was guilty of with, you know, Robertson and Tierney. It's it's a tough one, but it, it sounds quite interesting, you know, that and it and it would suggest that he, he rates Patterson. You know, he he obviously thinks the, the, the boy is, is good enough to be in that starting eleven. So uh, it's interesting to see where that goes. If, you know, if it, it's I think he was sort of alluding that it's it's not something he would use every week, but it would be something he would be prepared to use you know, if, if, if a game needed it or something like that. But I did find that quite interesting uh, that, you know, it's crossing his mind and and I think it says a lot for Patterson because, you know, I mean, Tav's nailed in in that position, you would think, eh, you know, the way he's been, the, the, the performance levels he put in last season. So to hear that uh, he's trying to find a way to get the two of them in is, is, is quite interesting. I think, yeah. I think the thing with Patterson is especially is that he might not be ready necessarily to go into the first team every week ahead of Tavernier next season. But the season after that, 
you would think that would be the natural point where he where he takes over. But it's keeping them happy and you know and you know progressing throughout this season is going to be the problem, isn't it? Because yeah. if he's if he's finding he's not getting a game, he's going to be unhappy. He's you know he's maybe going to start agitating for a move or, or whatever. I'm not saying he would, but but you know that's how you might think that players are, are going to react to that sort of thing. So so I suppose that the idea is try and keep him ha- somehow keep him happy and keep him involved without ju- sort of jump you know dropping Tavernier altogether at this stage and maybe then looking ahead to the season after that or, or you know, where where Patterson might be more likely to be the first choice. Um, I, I can't see how they could. I don't. I don't see Tavernier playing in midfield. Although he's an attacking player, I don't. I don't think he. Well, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, I just don't see him as being a natural sort of midfield player. I think he and he does what he does from the position he does it in, and, and that's effective. But be interesting though, like you say. Yeah, and it, well, it was it was interesting comments from from Gerard after the game yesterday because it, I mean he he very much sort of said those two players are both too good to be left out week in yeah. week out, um, and that 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 shows how highly I mean we know how highly he rates Patterson the, the the way he was talking him up to try and get him into the Scotland squad to go to the Euros and um, quite deservedly of course, um, and you're right you know he 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 did push Tavernier forward yesterday into a, I guess a more of a winger role. The way he was talking was that it can't be too advanced. He's not going to play with his back to goal and things like yeah. that. It's very much about getting him the ball and still driving forward. And that, in that way, it might work as a three-five-two with Patterson as the furthest right of, of I guess, three wide centre halves, um, and having him as more of a wing back or in a four-one-four-one formation. Um, but I think what's what's crucial here, because I, I completely agree with Ian, that it's it's probably not this season that we're going to see that transition of power. I mean, if nothing else, Tavernier's the captain who lifted 55. You know, he's he's earned the right to to that starting jersey. But what I think we could see is we, we'll probably have another season, a guaranteed European group stage football, right? Whether it's Champions League, Europa League or Conference League. So we're playing European football up until Christmas naturally expecting deep runs into the League Cup and the Scottish Cup and a hectic league cam- uh, campaign as well. That's surely what, 60, 60 odd games that we'll be playing this season. If you're Patterson, there is surely sort of scope for you to be playing in roughly 20 of those, I'd have thought, maybe starting 15 or so. Um, given where he was 12 months ago in that 12 months ago, a lot of us probably didn't know his name. You know, maybe maybe heard of him as one of a few promising youngsters, but he really shone in the last two months of the last season because of Tavernier's injury. And I think when he looks at, at how accelerated that trajectory was, how accelerated that progression was, if he then comes into his second season as a first-team player and gets himself, let's say, 20 appearances in a 60-game season, that's good experience to then kick on and, and make that starting spot your own as Tavernier gets a wee bit older and a wee bit more mature. Um so yeah, I would hope that there is scope. I, I agree they're not going to play every game together, um, but I do think there will probably be more times that Tavernier is rested this season um, because we have a very, very able deputy waiting to come in. Right, gents, before we move on to, to look at some of the other stuff that's going on at the moment, just a, a quick mention of one of our partners here at Jersnet. Um, very lucky to have them supporting us again for the coming season, which is footballprizes.co.uk. Um, as you guys will know by now, they run uh, very, very high quality raffles to, to buy 
very exclusive football merchandise uh, in, in relation to Rangers. They always limit the number of entries as well, so you've got a very, very good chance of winning. At the moment, they are raffling off uh, a signed boot uh, from Jermaine Defoe. So it's signed, it's framed, it's very, very nicely presented. Um, tickets cost £4.95. There's only 99 tickets being sold, and that competition ends Friday the 23rd of July at 7.30pm. Uh, so far, 16 tickets have been sold, so there's uh, 73, 83 83 left to go. Um, so plenty of time to still get involved in that. All you have to do is head over to the website at www.footballprizes.co.uk. Right. Um, we will move on now because tomorrow, that'll be the 19th of July at 11am. It's time for the qualifying draw for the Champions League. Um, first time that Rangers have been represented in the uh, Champions League as a competition for many, many years now, th- thanks to our sort of tough last decade or so. Um, now, Colin, it looks like we've kind of got one of these pre-draws again where we're drawn in a little mini group and we can only get one of a, a few different teams. And I think the way it'll work is that we will be paired against, you know, team A or team B because those two have to play each other in the preceding preceding round. Um, there's always a wee bit of confusion around this. It's not overly well publicised whenever UEFA do these mini draws, um, which tend to happen the day before. And I know that a couple of different sources are coming out with a few different names that we could face. It looks very much like Rangers will be facing one of the following, uh, which is either Malmo or Helsinki, Alashkert, uh, who I think are Armenian, versus Sheriff Tiraspol from Moldova, uh, or Ferenc Varos from Hungary and Zalgiris from uh, Lithuania. Now, Colin, given that we are in the Champions League now, or certainly in the qualifying stages of the Champions League, um, to me, they don't strike me as the most sort of f- fearful names that we could have been been drawn up against. How do you react to the teams that we could be facing there? Is there anyone that you particularly fancy? Uh, I mean, give, given the form that we've displayed in Europe over the last two or three years, or, or certainly since Gerrards came to the club, you know, I think you would have to fancy yourself uh, against all those teams. You know, I mean, we've, we've came up against some... You know, some pretty big names in the last three years and, you know, <laughs> came away fairly unscathed, you know. So, you've got to pay these clubs the respect that they're due. You've, you, you know, you've got to prepare pro- uh, properly and, and they're always a wee bit because the teams are, are, are they're not up and running yet. You know what I mean? They're, they've only got a few games under the belt and, you know, they can be banana skins. But overall, when I saw that list, uh, when, it, when it popped up in the WhatsApp chat earlier on, I kind of thought, yeah, well, that gives us a good chance to get to the... the the, the playoff round and then you're one step away you know and and it's probably more chance there you'll get a, a, a you know a trickier tie uh, but of the names there I think Rangers would, uh, would would fancy themselves to against any of those teams that said you know you look at the St Mirren game last season the St Johnston game and you know upsets can happen so they've, they've got to prepare properly they've got to you know give these teams the respect they deserve but Looking at it, you would you would fancy Rangers to progress against all of those all of those teams? I think. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, Ian, I am currently looking at potential uh, opponents, and not not to get ahead of ourselves, but I, I would strongly fancy Rangers against any of those sides, including Malmo, obviously a, a strong European side with good pedigree. If we were to to get through that, I believe that we would be facing probably one of the following, which is uh, FC Salzburg from Austria, Dinamo Zagreb of Croatia. Slavia Prague, need no introduction from the Czech Republic, and Olympiakos of Greece. 
clearly a, a step up in quality there, and I think probably fair to say that difficult to, you know, confidently predict our way through that tie. Given that we've had such an absence from the Champions League, what are your expectations in terms of the qualifiers? Uh, well, I'm not sure what my expectations are, but my hopes are that we obviously progress into the Champions League. I mean, you know, there's an argument to say that maybe we, you know, our level is the Europa League, and that's where we should be sort of aiming to 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 be in and and progressing, and uh, we'd have a better chance of moving through and going into the the, the knockout stages. But you know, what's the point? You know, you want you're in it. You want to be in where the, the you know the big guns are playing. You want know, you want to be playing the Real Madrids and the Barcelona, the Man Uniteds, etc. That that's where you, that's the level you want to be at. Even if we're not com, you know competing with them, even if we're losing games against them, we want to be, we want them to be there. We want to be testing ourselves at that level. We want to put our best players on that that stage as well and see how they they. Uh, react to it. You know, I, I would really like to see Morelos playing in the Champions League. I'd like to see Kamara playing in the Champions League for Rangers. Uh, and you know that you know that that's why uh, you know it's not the end of the world if we don't qualify because, as you say, there's two other levels that we can drop down into. It's always impossible to get knocked out of Europe at this stage for uh, for us at the moment, whatever level we end up at. But you know, you want to be first choice would be in that Champions League draw. Uh, because apart from you know, you know, I, you know, I remember back to the games under Dick Advocat where, you know, the, the atmosphere was just unbelievable. Um, the, you know, the, the the qualifying games, but in the group stages as well, you know that and through through the years under Walter Smith as well, you know that that's the level we want to be playing at. That's that's the pinnacle. You know that you know it's not just a case of you know we're there and then, you know you know we enjoy it and and. Uh, like uh, Scotland or the Euros or something, but it's you know you want to be able to test your your players at that level and and see how they react to it and whether they improve and whether they are the players we think or we hope that they are. And uh, you know on a purely financial level, you know that yeah, you know, what thirty million pound or something like that we we could bring in. But on another level as well, you know if if, if you're best players do well and, and Rangers are you know we have to say are a selling club. That's the stage that they have to do well on in order to to sell them for for good money. That's how you know Celtic managed to sell some of their players over the years for more than you would have expected because they played at the Champions League level, then disgrace themselves those individual players. So you know play, the other clubs looked at them and said, well, they could do a job for us because they have they have played that level. So you know that on all those levels, you know, there's no question that that's where we want to be. Whether we'll make it or not, I don't know. And they're they're. You know, tough, tough games that we'd have to play. But, you know, proved in the past that we can get through that sort of level of competition. But uh, you know, you only have to look at Slavia Prague, who you know, forever apart from everything else, uh, last season uh, sort of fairly comprehensively beat us over two legs. So uh, you know, if that's who we end up playing against, you know, we'll have to considerably up our our game against them. But yeah, but that's the level we want to be at. No, I think the only only part of that, that I would disagree with is that I would arguably say that. Celtic players did disgrace themselves in the Champions League. <laughs> uh, I don't think that's like, let's, let's, let's not lie about it, but yeah, yeah. Some, some, some of them must have done something right to persuade people to spend that level of money that they spent. Uh, no. players. I don't know, I don't know what it was, but yeah, yeah. And uh, if, if the rumors about Brentford and um, their big marauding center half, as the Scottish media will tell you, that Chris Iyer is. 
Um, thirteen and a half million pound bid apparently been uh, been lodged. Then no idea where that comes there's from. There's a good no no look pass though. Uh, there's a good no look pass. It's, I yeah. mean, I'd say it's it's more difficult to do a no look pass when you're three 0 down. Yeah, uh, it takes yeah. real courage. It takes a lot to do that, doesn't it? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, good on him. Um, right now, before we get on to talk about transfers, transfers in, transfers out, there's been a, a wee bit of activity, obviously, over over the summer. Um, with a few rumours kicking around in, t- in terms of comings and goings. One thing, Colin, that I wanted to to discuss and I think has caught a lot of people by surprise um, is this news that's kind of seeping out that Rangers are charging for media access. Um, so reports coming out, and I think Hugh Keevans was the first one to to you know, really take pleasure in reporting this about Big Bad Rangers are, are now making us pay to come in and write stories. And and it does seem to be true that, um, and I, actually I'll, I'll put this out, there's, I have no idea if this is true or what the cost is and what the packages entail. Apparently it's the same for fan media, but um, I, I've not even asked the question personally of Frankie and that's not really my domain either. So apparently when it comes to sort of big national newspapers, there's a, a hefty fee for them to pay in order to get access to the games, access to the the manager for sit downs, um, exclusive stories, that kind of thing. Um, and I guess unsurprisingly, Colin, it's been fairly roundly criticised by those outside of Rangers Football Club, um, but also causing some concern amongst the fan base. And I believe, again, a rumour, no idea if it's true or not, uh, that it even led yesterday to Willie Vass being unable to go to the game. Willie Vass, the photographer who's who's yeah. attended the Rangers games for 30-odd years, uh, taking photos, went to every game along the journey on the, on the road back to... Um, the top flight of Scottish football. Apparently, he would also be caught up in this and um, wasn't able to attend the game yesterday. Now, that obviously may have simply been nothing more than COVID restrictions and trying to limit the numbers in at Ibrooks, but um, you know, h- hard to say without being privy to the full facts. If this is true, Rangers charging some people saying twenty five thousand pounds for for that media access. Um, what are your your thoughts on that? Um, my thoughts would be that it's, I mean, don't get me wrong, the, the, the media in this country don't impress me. You know, the, the, the print media and there's obviously the, the situation with uh, the BBC and all that. Uh, you know, it, it, it's been an issue for a while, Rangers' relationship with, with certain journalists uh, in this country uh, and certain media outlets. That said, I, I don't know if, <laughs> I'm not convinced that this is a way to 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 fix the problem. It's... I mean, I don't know the reason for it. I mean, I've heard a few things as well. I've heard it's 25,000 for, you know, your, your sort of mainstream media outlets and it's 5,000 for fan media, which, you know, let's be honest, that's loose change for Frankie. Uh, but <laughs> it just seems, looking at it from the outside, the only thing I can think that what they're trying to do is they're trying to control the content and, you know, and, and who has access to it. And I, I just... I don't know if that's a good idea or not. I, I mean, I, as I said, there are certain journalists and there are certain media outlets in this country that I, I think are quite openly hostile towards Rangers at times. But I don't know if this is the way to fix it, to be honest with you. I think, uh, I mean, on the BBC thing, I have heard stories that Rangers have tried uh, extensively and on more than one occasion to, to, to fix the situation with the BBC. And it's it's the BBC that are, are you know, the, the sort of, uh, the blockage on this, they, they just won't shift, they won't budge in their position. But charging 25000 I, I don't know. I, I, it just, as a supporter, it doesn't feel good. 
good to me. It doesn't. It doesn't look good. It's not a good look for for a football club. Uh, the, the sort of stature the Rangers to be adopting. Uh, again, if there was more clarity and you understood the reasons behind it, and you know the club were coming out saying, "Well, this is why we were doing it," you you would maybe have more of an idea to make an informed judgment. But when you're you're dealing with you know just rumor and hearsay, and and it does look to be true. Then it, I don't think it's a good look at all. I must admit, it's, something has to be done in terms of the the PR of the club and you know how we try and mend the bridges and the relationships that we have with a lot of the media outlets. I don't know if this is the way to do it. If I'm being honest, I mean, I very much doubt this is even an attempt to to address that issue. I, I, I suspect it's something more of a a commercial thing rather than a you know an attempt to necessarily control or change the relationship with, with, with uh, the media outlets themselves. I mean, I, I totally agree. I mean, I think the, the idea of charging, especially a figure that high, is just ludicrous. I mean, it's just, it's the wrong thing to do. Simple as that. I mean, it, you know, you, I, I, as far as I'm concerned, it's, it's, it's indefensible. I mean, I can understand maybe the, from the club's, I'm trying to look at it from the club's point of view and thinking, well, you know, these, these media outlets are coming in to to Ibrooks and to use our facilities and to use our, our our content, I suppose, if you like, you know, as in our team playing, and they're they're using that and then they're maybe selling it on and they're making money out of it. So why should we get a, a, a share of that in some way? Because after all, it's our it's our intellectual property, I suppose. But I mean, that that's just not how it works, you know. You know. And, and you know the whole the whole thing. You know, the, like them or not, the newspapers and TV and radio and all the rest of it are the the people who speak to the fans. And if you if you price them out, then fans are going to lose out. Now I know the things have changed, and there's you know fan media and the, the clubs con, you know speak directly to uh, to, to fans uh, themselves. Mm-hmm. So things have changed, and maybe they had they were 10, 15, 20 years ago. But nonetheless. We are, you know, still in, a, in an era where where the media is is important, and you know, I, I just the, the idea of it is, I, I just whatever you think of the way the, you know the club is reported and how individuals deal with uh, the players uh, or deal with the, the, the club and, and and the issues around it. This isn't. I doubt it's an attempt to to address it, but it isn't the way to address it. So the the two issues should be should be taken completely separately, and I just think this is wrong, basically. I mean, even if it is a commercial thing, Ian, uh, which which you're probably right. I mean, as, as you've pointed out, the, the club has its own internal media. You know, it's, it's it's got its website. In the past, it had the Rangers News. You know, Rangers made money from from the, from their content, from their intellectual property. You know, they had the Rangers News for all those years. They've got the website. They've got Rangers TV. You know, they've got all these things that gained the, the, the club. Uh, you know, an income. On their intellectual property and their media stuff, so I just don't, I just don't get why they they, they see the need to do this. You know, what I mean, and it's also, I mean, the the supporters across the road, you know, and I think we would probably be the same if it was all the way about. You're thinking, well, they must be skint. You know, that's what that's that, that's what you, supporters are now saying. Well, if if they're charging twenty five thousand pound, there must be a reason behind it. Well, it's skint FC and all that kind of stuff. So it, it maybe arguably has a detrimental impact on, on the image and, and how people are looking at the club, you know what I mean? Because it's it's just a bizarre thing. I've, I've never I've never heard anything like it. And I'm and I mean I know you're a journalist, so 
it, it must be the same for you. You know, I mean, I, I don't think you'll have ever come across anything like that. I mean, this. I know, I, I'm pretty sure, and I, I, it's a long time since I've had to think about it, but I'm pretty sure it's not unusual for it to happen. Certainly in clubs in England, I'm sure, have, have done it over the years. Uh I mean, the one thing I'm not quite sure about is, you know, in, t- in terms of where the, the you know the responsibilities as part of the SPFL and, and obviously yeah. UEFA level, you can't, you wouldn't, I, I presume UEFA's uh, accreditation and things like that override anything the Rangers would do. So, so they wouldn't be able to exclude people if they had a, a UEFA uh, accreditation for the for a game, for instance. They wouldn't allow that to happen. So, Champions League games or Europa League games, so they would all get in for that. So they couldn't charge for that. I would have. I'm surprised that the SPFL doesn't have some sort of rule in place for for that sort of thing as well already. But maybe they do, or, or maybe they, they do, and it allows it or something. I don't know. I don't know the ins and outs of it. But as, as it's not, I don't think it's a unique situation in the whole the, in the footballing world. It's just not something that's never happened in, in our uh, in our context before. And you know, it, it surprises me it's happening at all. To be to be perfectly honest, yeah. I, look, I I echo the the, the pair of you. It, it just it doesn't sit right, personally. No. Um, charging for media access, I, I I see what the club are going for. If that, you know, I disagree. I'm not sure it's a commercial thing because I mean, if it's if ten media outlets, let's say, I think that's been optimistic that ten would pay that fee. That's two hundred and fifty thousand pounds. That's um, in the grand scheme of running a football club, I doubt that's very much in terms of revenue. Um, no, but what what maybe? Oh, Chris just knocked the glass <laughs> over. That was good. Uh, what what maybe uh, is the situation? I don't know, but if, presumably, if you sign up to this, you have to sign some sort of uh, agreement that, that you know the Rangers will profit in some way from from if you sell on footage because I know that you know some I, I don't know I'm just I'm just guessing if there if there's other sort of ways that uh, the club could and it's more more about controlling it rather than necessarily make money from it they want to have more control over what images and what what a uh, what footage gets used and where it gets used um I mean, I remember years ago when I used to work for the press association. We used to want to to go along and, and film the uh, the press conferences that happened, and this was in the days before that that was quite commonplace. And and basically, Rangers put the the, the kibosh on that, and that was you know ten, fifteen years ago. Uh, they wouldn't let us do it because they had their own website and they wanted it. The, the video to be shown on their website before it was shown anywhere else and, and the press association we were putting it out to all the, uh, the the newspaper outlets and they they at that stage could put it onto their own website in the days before they had their own sort of uh, multimedia units so so even going back that far there's been an attempt to to sort of control how stuff is disseminated you know through the through the, the different media outlets so uh, that, I, I suspect that's possibly what, what it's all about is, is controlling the, the images and controlling the, the footage and, and where it goes but. another thing that's disappointing for me is is you know at a time when like fan media is was getting closer to the club you know if this figure of five thousand pound is true then that actually maybe bar one or two you know puts a lot of people at the game you know i mean recently you know when celtic announced their new manager they they had two separate press conferences they had one for the the, the mainstream media and they had a fan media conference now, don't get me wrong some of the stuff that came out of that was pretty embarrassing but you have to say you, you, that's the thing with fan media right you've got it's quite an extreme thing you know you've got 
both ends. You know, you've got the, the, the end where the content is, is, is good and reasonable and, and they're providing quality stuff. And you've got the end where it's just absolute nonsense. And a couple of the questions and a couple of things that were said at that press conference were, were frankly embarrassing. The first question was, was horrific. But that said, there's people within that room who are good at what they do. They do provide, you know, good content for supporters. Uh, and, you know, if, if you're going to charge fan media, £5,000 to, to gain access then at a point when they're getting closer to the club, you're, you're, you're pushing the vast majority of them back again. Yeah, but it's one of these things I think we're going to have to keep an eye on how it develops. It doesn't seem to have been anything sort of concrete or official from the club unless unless I've missed something. So a lot of rumour, a lot of hearsay at the moment and um, yeah, I want to see, if anything, it'll be interesting to see how you know, the, the content for fans I and mean, look, fan media is strong at the moment. Obviously we know that we are one part of that puzzle of fan media, I suppose, and there's there's a lot of different ways now for fans to consume information about about their club. So it'll be interesting to see if um, if the offering for I hate the term the term mainstream media because it's, it sort of always immediately makes you sound like a conspiracy theorist about the MSM that are printing all these horrible stories about us. But it'll be interesting to see if the content available from the mainstream media does does change at all. Gents, before we finish, um, I sort of teased it throughout the show, but I think it's time that we take a, a very brief look at the, the, the state of the squad and the ins and outs. So Colin, um, transfers in so far, I think the the main one that we should all be, um, I guess, excited for at the moment is, is John Lundstrom. Joined the club a, a couple of weeks ago. Um, free transfer from Sheffield United, so, so a, a player Premier League pedigree um, released at the end of his contract at the end of last season. Sheffield United obviously being relegated and, and uh, pitches up in Glasgow. What do you make of that signing? Yeah, he's a player I've not seen a lot of, if I'm being honest, Ross. But uh, you know, having done a wee bit of research and all the rest of it since we signed him, you know, it looks like we've got a good a, a good signing. Uh, reading a couple of match reports today, I think he struggled a wee bit yesterday. But you know, first game and all the rest of it, you know, trying to find his he's, he's sort of place in the side I mean that's understandable he's got he's got plenty of time so yeah I, I mean you, you would have to say I think we've spoke about this a few times on, on on the pod the the recruitment has been has been impressive since Steven Gerrard uh, you know turned up the, the quality players that were coming through and uh, you know Ross Wilson as well the job that he's doing at the club and I think it's you know we're, we're signing players of, a, of the vast majority of them have anyway, are, are of a certain age and they're players that I think Stephen Gerrard thinks that he can improve, you know, so we bring them in. It's effectively buy cheap, improve, sell high, you know what I mean? Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I've, that's the one thing I, I, I'm, I'm really confident with the club at the moment. When we're signing players, I'm confident that, that, that they'll fit in because at the moment, we're having a lot more hits than than we're having misses. You know, I mean, it took Gerard about three years to get the team up and running. You know, he had to he had to use as many windows as possible to bring in the players that he felt he needed. But you would have to say that I would say about eighty ninety percent of the signings that he's bringing in are working. You know, and you know, you think of people like uh, Kamara. I mean, that whole midfield. I read something the other day, like the whole mid. I think we signed the midfield for like ninety grand or something. You know, I mean, because everybody was free. You know, we we, we got uh, our field free. Uh, Davis on a free, you know, it, it was going through the whole thing. I think again, I think it was Jordan and the Athletic. You know, it was going through that whole midfield. And I was like, that must be the cheapest midfield in Scotland. And uh, you know, a good percentage of them, you know, you would imagine guys like Haji and Kamara uh, and Aribo at some point, you know, in the next two or three years will move on and they'll move on for a profit. So the model's good. I, th- I think the recruitment's good. 
I've I've had a wee look at I've, I've looked at a couple of videos of the, the boy Veerman and he looks a, a proper a proper player. Uh, so yeah, aye, all looking good as, as as far as I can see. And Ian, on the flip side, players out. Um, nothing concrete at the moment. Obviously, a lot of speculation about Alfredo Morelos and, and Porto. Um, I, I believe his agent spent some time in. Uh, in Portugal, um, purely coincidence, I'm sure, but a lot of a lot of rumour that, that Porto are interested in, and have tabled an offer or will be tabling offers, but also some buzz around um, Glenn Kamara, for example. Um, there's always talk about Yanis Hadji going elsewhere as well. Borna Barisic had an opportunity at the Euros to put himself in the shop window. Is there anyone that you're sort of particularly worried about Rangers losing in, in this transfer window? I mean, I think I think the main. The, uh, I mean, I, I know that we've been sort of preparing for him to go for the last. Well, it feels like for the last five uh, transfer windows, really, to, almost since the very first one that he uh, he was here. But uh, but you know, I, I think he's still, and it showed at the end of last season when he when he missed games. He, he's such an important part of the, the team and even when he's not scoring you know at the end of last season he was still contributing in a massive way so if if he was to leave and I recognise that eventually he probably is going to leave um, well he is eventually going to leave but I mean fairly sooner rather than later you know we have to have someone in place that's going to fill that that gap and, and is going to contribute in a way that he already contributes because if he doesn't if they don't, then we're going to, you know, lose a major part of uh, our attacking force. Um, so if uh, you know, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be really. Dis- I mean, I wouldn't hold it against him if he wants to go. I think you know he's contributed over the last uh, four years enough to to merit, or three years enough to merit uh, going. But um, you know, I'd be really, I'd really be disappointed if he did, and uh, and I would hope that we would have somebody. That could fill fill his place. I'm not sure that necessarily we would have. Uh, certainly not immediately. Um, I think Kamara is a, an interesting one because you know he played really well at the Euros and uh, and he's probably his value couldn't uh, isn't ever going to be higher. So you know maybe the, you know you could look at him as a player that maybe we should be looking to to sell in, in this window uh, or or the next window at least. Because um, I think his pro- his his value would be at its highest point. Again, you know, I, I would I'd rather he, he was he was staying. But if we're if we're serious about being a club a selling club, and that's the model we're working on, then you know the reality is that's you know that's what we have to put up with. Players will leave, so but the, the time to leave is when they're at their highest value. Yeah, I wonder as well what the Champions League um, qualifiers will kind of impact. Obviously, getting to the Champions League group stages will give us one hell of a budget potentially. Um, look, there's a long, a long time left to go. The summer transfer window is a long window, um, and I'm sure there will be sort of twists and turns along the way. One player that I've got in mind is Ryan Kent. Um, again, I think he's he's going to be pivotal, and I think it's been reasonably quiet so far about Kent. Yeah, but I, I, I think again, reading some stuff over the weekend there, you know, the market's quite depressed at the moment because football mm-hmm. clubs just don't have the money. You know, that's it. You know, you look at the situation with Barcelona; they're having to drastically cut their wages just to register some of their signings. So, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there wasn't a huge amount of exits this year because I, I think Rangers all have had fees in mind for some of these players, and maybe some, you know, the clubs that are interested in these players won't be able to, to reach those fees at this moment, given. 
you know, the the impact that COVID's had on on finance and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if there isn't a huge amount of outwards this season. I suppose the, I suppose the question is, is how important is it for Rangers to actually sell players? Yeah. I mean, that, that you know, is it more important for the, the ongoing sort of uh, stability of the club financially that, that we need to sell Morelos and Kent or Morelos and Kamara or whatever, that we need to bring in an X amount uh, of money in transfer fees in order to progress to the next uh, level I don't know if that is the case or not I don't know how but eventually that is going to be the case so you know it may well be that we have to sell uh, players for less than we would necessarily want and I think fans that might you know have to you know just accept that that you know we're not going to get the 25 million that we hope to get from Morelos uh, that we're maybe going to have to settle for 50 million or or whatever um uh, you know it just depends how how vital it is that we sell players the, the Champions League you know, like you say the Champions League might make a big difference to that if we get into that then maybe the, the need to sell wouldn't be quite as great yeah absolutely I think the only thing Colin that I'm going to disagree with you there is can we really call it a depressed market when Brentford are allegedly going to pay 13 million for Chris <laughs> Ryan and Arsenal are spending 50 million pounds on Ben White yeah well you know it, it does a great no pass look though you know what I mean he's worth a, a no, pa- penny, a no, that. A no pass look a no yeah. pass look a no look pass sorry <laughs> It's, it's pre-season. This is where you get all these things out. You know, yeah, you know your get, system now. That's just that's, getting minutes in the legs. That's, that's what Colin's is. rusty ring again. <laughs> right. right, gents, that's taken us over the hour. So I think it's uh, it's about time that we wrap it up because if nothing else, I am about to sweat through this T-shirt. Yeah, you do look uh, quite hot, but, but not in that way. <laughs> <laughs> Cameras are on. You can all see it. Um, so listen, a, a massive thank you to, to Colin and to Ian for giving up their Sunday nights and, uh, and, and throwing themselves back into this new season with me. Um, and a massive thank you as well to everyone who's who's listening. I hope you've enjoyed the show and I hope you're as excited as we are about the, the push for, for title number 56. Um, feels very strange after all those years about talking about 55. We are now going for 56. The Jazznet podcast will be back next weekend um, where we'll be taking a look at the Blackpool game and, and most importantly the Real Madrid game um, with the podcast coming just a few af- hours after full-time whistle will blow at Ibrox. As I said at the start of the show, please do head over to the website at www.jazznet.co.uk to check out all of the, uh, the excellent content and the friendly discussion forum there. Um, Until next time, please do stay safe. Thank you for listening and bye for now.